So the big question is this. How do the best recruiters and recruitment business owners ride the highs and lows of recruitment whilst ensuring they remain at the top? How do they stay consistent? How do they manage their time? How do they cultivate the correct mindset? And what are the best recruiters and recruitment businesses doing differently? These are the questions that all recruiters want to know the answers to. This is the podcast where I have real and honest conversations with some of the most talented recruitment professionals globally to uncover all their secrets. My name is Hisham Azuz. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. This podcast is sponsored and supported by my good friends at Hunted. Last year, Hunted helped over 300,000 recruiters all across the world. They're dedicated to improving not just the industry, but your place within it. If you want to be a better recruiter, have more resilience, see greater success in your recruitment career, or simply change jobs or country, then you need to check out hunted.com. I'd love you to check it out and let me know what you think. Welcome to the Recruitment Rollercoaster Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by James Mitra, who is the founder of JBM, who are an executive search and recruitment firm who specialize in recruiting for high growth businesses and is also the host of his own podcast called The 40 Minute Mentor. James, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Hisham. Much appreciated. Yeah, obviously, we, we had this uh, in the diary to do it face to face in uh, your office, which is obviously down the road from me. And- in London Bridge, but here we are today over Zoom, mate. How things yeah. change. Yeah, I know. The world is a, a very different place, but um, no, still still honoured to be on the show and uh, delighted to do it, albeit virtually. Yeah, wicked. So I think what what my intention is with the, the sort of podcast that I record during the times of what's going on is very much, we're definitely going to talk about your business journey, how you got into recruitment, um, and sort of what we always do here on the podcast, but we'll definitely have a segment on talking about how you're adapting today um, as a recruitment business owner. Um, but let's start where we always liked on this podcast, which is how did James enter the world of recruitment? Let's start there. And and I don't think you'll be surprised. I, I, I've listened to a few of these episodes and um, uh, probably like a lot of people, I fell into it. Uh, I think back in the day when I was a kid, there were aspirations to be a professional rugby player, cricket player, I was always too small and not talented enough. <laughs> I never thought I'd be a, a broadcast journalist, like the idea of being on Sky Sports News. Okay. Um, again, realised they didn't get paid that much and it was quite difficult and everyone else wanted to do it. Um, so so for me, I never really knew exactly what I wanted. Um, I think... I did spent, you go to uni? Yeah, I did. I did a history degree. Um, okay. Knew I didn't want to be a history teacher or a uh, work in a museum uh, but <laughs> loved, loved the degree loved the uni experience um, I actually I worked for I actually took a year off when I left school um, moved to London three blokes in a one bed flat in East London it was it was one uh, bed yes yeah wow leave that to the imagination there was there was kind of rotating, <laughs> and it was pretty really Wait, was you near Shoreditch though yeah no not even that it oh was really Anna Park and we had someone got <laughs> in our garden one night pretty pretty ropey but wow. um, the character building stuff um but no i um 
I basically wasn't 100% sure what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to leave home, live in London, save up, go traveling. And actually that, that first year was, was actually my first exposure to recruitment because I, I did, uh, I, I worked through, I think it was Randstad as a temp at Bank in New York. Um, wow. Amongst many other things, I, 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 I moon, well, I've moonlighted in the past as a singer. I did some gigs. I worked in, what? A, I worked at Buckingham Palace as a waiter. I did all sorts that year. And, um, but I, I realized, you know, from the, from the experience of Bank in New York and each summer when I was at university, I went back to the bank. I had no real interest in, in going to, into financial services. Um, and when I kind of left, when I graduated, um, I was kicking around at home and basically a mate of mine, uh, when I went to a rugby session, rugby training session pre-season, uh, worked as a manager at Michael Page. And um, he just sort of said, look, I think you'd be, I think you'd be a good recruiter. And, you know, it's, a, it's, it's not the, it wasn't the greatest time post-recession. So just the recession. Was what, just- what year was this? It was 2009. Oh, okay. Um, but he sort of he sort of said, "Look, I think you should apply for the grad scheme." I thought I didn't know anything about recruitment. If I'm honest, I just yeah. I'd go along and, and you know use it as uh, interview practice. And um, yeah, and and I really enjoyed the I really enjoyed the assessment centre. It was um, a bunch of similar like-minded people, and um, it was role playing. I did a drama A level, so for me it was just like acting. You know, yeah, I, I think I did all right uh, on the on the kind of uh, mock role play bit. Um, and yeah, before I knew it, I was I was one of one of the first three people to be hired post recession into the grad intake. But it was um, it was a risky time. They they wouldn't they didn't want to hire you full time. You, you had a month, almost like a month rolling. Really? Initially, yeah. And then I, I started off in technology, um, and then quite quickly they realised I'd be better suited to the consultancy desk, so strategy and change recruitment. Sure. And that was kind of how how I ended up there. And the rest really is it's kind of history. Okay. Awesome. Really cool story. So just to set the scene then, so you worked at Michael Page, I think I saw on LinkedIn, is it what, two and a half years or yeah. three, two and a half years? Two and a half, yeah. And then after that, I don't think it was straight after, was it? But it was a couple of months apart that you then started your own recruitment business, which is now you've been running for over seven years. Yeah. yeah so right, yeah. coming come up to the, the decade mark of uh, yeah. working in recruitment. Um, okay, cool. So look, let, let's definitely just talk a bit about the sort of Michael Page experience. So I guess, how, how did you find that? How, how, cause obviously you must've been someone that showed good promise, put in the work very early on, on a month by month basis, if they were sort of trying to protect sort of their investment in offering you sort of a monthly rolling contract. Right. So I guess that must've been quite intense. The- yeah. To be honest with you, they, they, they made, they, they cut one of the grads within a month, I think. And then really? they had the other two of us perm. So, it was it was okay after that initial month or two, but um, but yeah, it was it was a uh, it was unlike anything I'd experienced before. Um, and I'll be honest, I I learned tons. I, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the training I got there. Yeah, you know the exposure I had. Um, I I worked in a really small but very talented team, uh, mm. and I had a brilliant but demanding boss, a guy called James Barrett, who's still there. Um, and and it was kind of it was single swim really. I think I. Yeah. You know, it was just at the time when the recession was kind of we're at the back end of it, but it was still tough. Um, so you had to hustle. Um, but because I was recruiting a lot for management consulting firms, they were being roped in to fix a lot of the issues in banks. And so I was there wasn't because there was only three of us or four of us in the team. I just quite quickly had to get in front of partners, get in front of senior clients. To just, really? Um, and so I had exposure to kind of senior clients, 
bigger cap. So, yeah, so was you straight away 360 then, basically? Was it perm or contract? Pretty much. It was, it was all perm. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty much 360. I mean, the BD stuff came, um, but, um, but, but I loved it. I, I loved I was allowed, my style has always been very consultative. I love sure. talking to smart people about interesting stuff. Um, and I kind of, I think I really reveled particularly with the client facing stuff quite early on. Um, and yeah, my team was brilliant and, and really supported me. Um, I think I realized I was, I was very good at building relationships. Sure. Um, I, um, I, I really enjoyed the kind of, I guess I liked the pressure. I think um, I was used to that. I, I kind of, the competitive sportsman within was, was kind of enjoyed that target driven environment. Um, and I had a lot of luck, uh, you know, and, and, and in that first year, but it went pretty well. Um, and I guess set me up quite nicely. Um, so yeah, it was, a good, I had a really good first year, second year, not so good, if I'm honest. Really? Yeah. I think this obviously, you know, Christian, don't you? Christian James that. Yeah. yeah I um, heard it was very, yeah, a similar experience. Very what, similar. Was, was you like the top of the leaderboard then or what, what was going on in that it, team? I, near enough yeah I, I i had a very i had a good first year in 2010 so my first full year what did you what did you build that year 205k yeah first year that's not bad yeah. so I, i've like, had another guy on in the past called um tom ennifer who i think he did um i'm doing justice here but i think he did like 250 or something in his first year and that and he's been in recruitment now for over five years and that's that's been his best year today and that's yeah. fucking killing him <laughs> yeah, it's, it's horrible. Uh, you know you, you set the expectations really yeah and that's obviously what have... christian shared is that you've you've set the expectation and as you said so then second year sometimes when things don't start going your way it can be even more tough right yeah and, I, and i'm not um i've never been one to proclaim i'm like the world's biggest builder. for me it was it was a combination of facts i worked really really hard I worked yeah longer hours than a lot of my mates working in banking in that first year and my boss was really supportive and, and we had roles, you know, we had great clients that were hiring. And there was yeah. opportunity. So it's, it was very different a year before that when there was nothing and you really had to hit the phones and, you know, um, you know, just try and hunt work down. And um, so I, that was lucky, but the second year was tough because my boss changed, uh, you know, I, I really liked my, my new boss, but very different working styles. Um, I had to, t you know, as you get more experience, you take more responsibility on. I wasn't yeah. an official manager, but, you know, working with, with, with other people, grads were coming into the team, getting involved with recruitment of, of staff. And I, I found I was being pulled in lots of different directions. Sure. Um, and doing but still had the expectations, I'm assuming, of like doing good numbers. Yeah, yeah totally. That's and always I, a challenge, isn't it? I, and I can never remember exactly what I did, but it was, it was almost certainly, it was, it was half, I think half of, of the billings of the year before, yeah. maybe less. And, and that, that really, I, I struggled with that. And I think, you know, I, listening to Christian's episode was really interesting because I think I probably did get a little bit complacent. Um, yeah. And, but if I'm honest, my head, head really wasn't in it. Uh, that that really? second year, I was tired. Um, I think in hindsight, I was probably quite stressed. And yeah. I found the, I found my style wasn't always true, you know, completely appreciated. I think that ultimately there is still that KPI culture. It is traditional. Sure. Um, and I think I, I got increasingly frustrated by that. Um, and I hated, you know, I was told consistently I couldn't do BD, which is ironic now because it's easily the best thing, the thing that I'm best at. Um, yeah. But back then that got in my head and I, I hated the cold calling. I hated those sessions where you just got printed off yeah. a list of contacts just to get in touch with. It wasn't for me. Like I, I would try and get out of training sessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All sickies, you know. I, I really, I really wasn't in the best place, and it's only in hindsight that I realised that. Um, but 
you know, and I had some fam- yeah, I had some family illness going on at the time. And I think I just head was a bit scrambled. Sure. It was only really when uh, my I got my my now wife, uh, my uh, at the time girlfriend, I got her uh, introduced her to Paige, and she did six months. Can't say she loved it, but um, <laughs> the, the the start of our relationship and and it, she's known me since school, so we, we grew up together. And I think one of the turning points for me was when she just was just like, you are not, you are not yourself. And what, it, but when she saw you in that business and stuff, yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. I was, I was, I was stressed and, uh, you know, always had the Sunday night blues and, and, and ultimately, and this is probably something we'll touch upon again. I really struggled to buy into that big corporate. Yeah. Um, really, really struggled with that. And, and I think ultimately that is where kind of, I think I drifted checked out mentally. And it was really when I broke my leg playing rugby that I was forced you know, to to sort of step away from the day to day grind. Had my leg in a cast, and it was in you know at home for sort of four four to six weeks. It was then when I just went. Do you know what? Like life is too short. Um, yeah, you need to change it. And I basically handed in my notice and you know took the plunge and and, and then started uh, started looking for something else. But at that time, I was basically like, I don't want to work in this industry. I'm done. Okay, uh, which is ironic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so where I am now, we'll definitely go into that. But what I just want to touch on. It's just um, two things there, which I th- I'd like to think people will benefit from. So the first thing, just as you're talking about there, I feel like there would be a lot of people that maybe resonate with that they may feel like um, they have the Sunday blues, or they might be mentally they might have mentally checked out of their recruitment job or whatever, and, and finding it really difficult or have been. But I think it's interesting, isn't it? Because like I think there'll be so many stories out there that it takes the sort of dramatic event of you breaking your leg to be like, James, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But I think sometimes those events don't happen for people. And it, unfortunately, it happens for people when they're three years down the line, they look back and they're like, wow, I actually regret not making that decision or whatever, right? So I guess, it, obviously, hindsight's a great thing. But how do you think or what sort of comes to mind for you if people are sort of in that mental space of, you know what, I'm, I don't think I'm enjoying this, blah, blah, blah. What would your advice be to those people to try and move that event or encourage people to look in the mirror and try and cultivate them to make that decision themselves? Like what comes up for you with that? Well, so firstly, I, I think things like your show, to be honest with you, is, is a really useful tool for individuals mm. because nothing like this existed you know, when I was there, there you know, it, and I think what people are now, they have access to stories from people that have been there and done it. And, sure. and, and I think one of the first things I would say is that you really need to look inside and work out if you actually want to do this job because yeah. it isn't for everyone. I think a lot of people just get their head down. Maybe it's the money trap. Maybe it's the, I, I don't know, maybe it's stability, but unfortunately there's, there's a lot of people in this industry that just keep plugging away that I just don't think it's the right thing for them. <laughs> yeah. um, but I also think there's also a lot of great recruiters that get very disillusioned because they're in the wrong company mm. and they don't buy into the mission and they don't, you know, they're not. And I think that is absolutely critical for me. For instance, I would struggle to recruit probably anything else. Like I love the area of the, I love working with startups and scale ups. I love working in strategy and operations. I would really struggle to get motivated to recruit other other sectors. Sure. That's just me. Um, and, and I have to buy into the mission of a business. So, so one thing I would say is sometimes it needs external influence to yeah. help you see that. And that's why I would, and not to plug my 40 minute mentor podcast, but mentorship is so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 
you know, get a mentor, get someone that's maybe outside the industry or even someone from within it that can actually give you objective advice and, and ultimately call you out and tell it to you straight because there's no point having a mentor unless they're going to be super honest with you. Sometimes you just need to have that candid chat with someone about how you're feeling. And I think there's tons now that I think it's becoming the, we all have mental health and I think um, it's becoming less of a, hopefully the, the stigma is being broken down a little bit. Sure. Talking to people, being honest about how you're feeling and actually sort of forcing yourself to look within. If you're not yourself and if you're struggling and if you have those Sunday night blues, the great thing about the environment today is there are so many things you can do to change it. You know, you can reach out to businesses that you're inspired by. You can you can listen to podcasts like yours and, and hear of different ways to do the job. Um, and ultimately, when you've been in recruitment for a while and you have those skills, they are very transferable. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. Transferable. You know, when agree I, more. Yeah, when I look at our client base, you know, one of the most popular, most sought after skills is, is sales and account yeah. management. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not- yeah, that's what comes up for me. To be fair, I think yeah, I think I'm, yeah, I love how you sort of spoke about that. I guess yeah, the first thing is yeah, be be honest with yourself. Um, uh, in terms of are you enjoying it? What parts do you enjoy that you don't enjoy? Is it the market or whatever? And then also yeah, as you said, don't definitely don't um underestimate how valuable your skill set is that you learn in recruitment. I've definitely experienced that firsthand, the sort of journey that I've been on. And then also, yeah, I think that that's the great thing about sort of the environment we're in now is that don't sort of be under the illusion that recruitment is how it is in your business everywhere and how it's done or whatever. So, okay, cool. And then the other thing that I wanted to uh, ask you, because obviously you clearly spoke, and this is quite common in, in big businesses, people get access to great people quite quickly. But looking back, why why was that manager? Um, why did that manager have such an impact on you? Do you think um, he was tough? He was really he had he had very very high expectations. Sure. Um, and he would and, and I'm not this sort of manager. So so I, I um it, it's interesting, isn't it? That the, the type of managers you respond to, but it doesn't always mean that's going to be your. <laughs> yeah. um, at times, maybe I think I should have been more like him, but. And he, so he effectively, he had really high standards. Yeah. You know, he would put me on the spot with things. What does that mean? Like, and it, it was, it was a style that didn't work for a lot of people. Yeah. He's been super successful and he, he ultimately had my back as well. Like he supported me, you know, when I, there was some, I had some sort of family illness going on. He was incredible. I remember him taking me out for dinner once and I was really struggling with a family member being unwell. And he took me out for dinner. He just listened and talked and supported me. So awesome. I, I always, he had my back and I had his, and he was also very, very good at the job. So I learned tons going to client meetings with him. He's the first person I worked with it, you know, and actually a couple of others in my team who the client genuinely listened to what they said. They, they mm. were experts in what they did. And I took tons from that. And I actually like, I liked the way he challenged me because it forced me to raise my game. Yeah. So that nice. was kind of the, the, the main, the main yeah, thing. Yeah. I like that. Cool. So you broke your leg playing rugby. Yeah. Rugby careers out out the yeah, window. Yeah, yeah, um, so obviously, yeah, a couple of months. I'm assuming reflecting, which I'm sure a lot of people now are in that position. Obviously, haven't broken their leg, but are on furlough. <laughs> and and it's yeah, genuine. I think it's going to be interesting. I think obviously with what's going on now, I think a lot of people are. I've, personally, if you, what am I trying to say? Like, if you're not really clear on why you're doing what you're doing, what your purpose is, I think a lot of people are going to have the, a lot of time to think about that. And sort of where their careers go and these types of things. Not but I'm sure an opportunity, mate. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think obviously um 
obviously when when you experience that i'm sure that you was in in your house flat or whatever um legging the cast you're like okay well, what the hell am i going to do right so obviously that led you to handing your notice so did you did you and at that point you said that you was considering not working or remaining in the industry so what talk to me about the thought process of you leading up to starting your own recruitment business well i was i was i was lucky in some ways because i knew at that time given the, the dynamic of our team that that michael they, they needed me as much as i needed them in some ways so I was able to have it and they were very very good with me i, I said to them look I, i'm not going to do this long term yeah. i don't want to go to another recruitment firm i want to hand in my notice and but i will stay until i found something until we found a replacement for me so it was a it was good in that respect and they gave me the time to go into you and, and it's not always said about oh, nice. but that was that was really helpful and i think you know hopefully i went about it in the right way um, and I tried different things. I, I interviewed for a, a sport uh, to be a rugby agent. I, uh, <laughs> I interviewed for a sales role in a professional services firm. Um, and I ended up basically going to, to work for a former client that had set up a management consultancy. So I'd been recruiting for consultancies. Yeah. And this was a startup uh, business. And, and they'd heard, it was actually her and her husband had heard that I was looking for a change and they wanted someone young and entrepreneurial, relatively cheap, um, who, who wanted to help when it comes to business development. And so basically I joined to help leverage my network to help them sell consulting solutions. And it was completely the opposite. It was kind of, I was given a credit card, an iPad, which at the time was like incredible. <laughs> uh, one of those ones that now is probably the size of my laptop. <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, and then it was like, go win us some business. Um, and it was, I was completely out of my depth really? uh, and yeah, and frankly realized very, very quickly that selling people and selling in people to, to roles is completely different to selling consulting solutions. Can imagine. And, and it, you know, I, I learned tons, but I, I didn't set the world alight. And it was really only kind of, I enjoyed the staffing of the project piece. I enjoyed learning from great entrepreneurs cause they were, but I found it lonely and I found it, um, I just found it difficult and I think it was only about nine months in where it was the summer there wasn't much to do a few of my old clients had been consistently reaching out to me saying I don't suppose you can help with that xyz and I said well to the to the partners I said look do you want me to just set up a recruitment business on the side of you just to you know I think there's some money that could be made here I wanted to prove myself because I hadn't nailed yeah. it with the other yeah, side yeah, yeah. and yeah and I, and I kind of yeah picked a couple of clients generated about 30k for them that in in a month and was like that was kind of the light bulb moment it's like yeah hey, well if if i can do this and all of these clients of mine all these candidates of mine it's doing it in my own style and i don't hate it perhaps maybe i just need to go and take the plunge and and, and do it on my own and they were very understanding and that's, but that's basically the genesis of jbm it kind of i was 25 and i i the thing i loved from that experience was the entrepreneurialism yeah i just sort of thought like and i'm sure lots of people listening will have had this like i i was and i feel embarrassed to say this now but i, I was ashamed at times about being a recruiter yeah and I remember going to parties and you know dinners and stuff and and people asked me what i did and you're rolling their eyes and going oh yeah another yeah, yeah, yeah. type person not that there's anything wrong with the stage. um but i i remember at times just thinking well and it was that kind of moment where I was like, well, do you know what? Unless I do something about that, you know, I'm not like everyone else. I never have been. I've always been my own person. I've got my own style, my own way of doing things. And I thought, well, actually, if I, if I set up a business on my own, do it in my own style, in my own sort of with my own values, 
maybe I'll start to change some of those hearts and minds. Um, but also, I've got nothing to lose. I love a challenge. And um, when I started talking to people about it, there were lots of people saying, "You're not. It's not going to work. You're 25. You've only been doing recruitment for two years. You know, good luck." But I, I was going to say, how did how did you overcome that? Because I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people would have that um, imposter syndrome and, and let, that, let that voice. I, I certainly had that uh, conversation myself when I sort of started my business 10 months ago. Um, yeah, just turned 27, so similar sort of ages. And yeah. I very I always tell people I definitely had the conversation of, Hisham, who are you to start a business like this or help people with this? You have, you've only been doing it for how many years or whatever. So yeah, I totally resonate with that, but I feel like a lot of people will feel like that. So how did you um, block out that noise? Uh, I've always liked to challenge. Um, for me, and I think this this probably says a lot about one's entrepreneurial ability or whether it's right for you, because for me, that that was the fire in the bed. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to prove people wrong, you know, and that, it didn't, it didn't, I didn't, whereas there was definitely lots of times where I've had imposter syndrome over the last few years, but sure. actually, interestingly, at that point, I was like, no, nah, I'm going to go for this. And, you know, there are some other really important factors here. Like I, I didn't have tons to lose. It's not like I had a mortgage. Um, yeah. My girlfriend, Lucinda, who's, who's now my wife was incredibly supportive. Like she's always has been. And she awesome. believed in me and she was like, you can do like, go for it. And, and, and probably the other really important thing is I, I did run this concept past clients and candidates. And, yeah, they were, yeah. and they basically said, look, your style is what this industry needs. Like, we will back you. We will, we will work with you. And, and that kind of gave that me instill confidence. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. No, so I was just going to say, so how did you, how did you plan to be different then? Cause I think this is, I think obviously what you're talking about, about their sort of changing the sort of perception of recruitment in your, in your market and these types of things, like what, what was the strategy behind JBM to be different? Cause I think that's all that a lot of this, recruitment businesses start with that intention don't they that i want to do it my way and this is what you're talking about so what was your thought process to the sort of business strategy and how how did you plan to be different when you started it yeah i mean every every recruitment company says the same right <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but but for me i guess i wanted to prove it so uh, when i when i was i remember like, writing down some words about what i want to be known for at the time the values or the, the characteristics were i wanted to be seen as like an honest, consultative, very relationship-driven recruiter. Yeah. But I was like, well, how do I prove that? And ultimately, it's just through delivering great service. Like, mm. and, and the proof's in the pudding. So for me, it was just about, in those early days, it was about hustling, getting opportunity, delivering, like going above and beyond, and then letting the work do the talking. So JBM has grown exclusively through word of mouth in terms of business development. Every single client we've ever won, okay, I may have gone, oh, I really want to work with that company and, and, I, and spoken to someone and they've put me in touch, but it's yeah. all come through somebody recommending us. And, awesome. And, and I set out, like, that was, for me, was always going to be the benchmark and, like, how we, you know, we grew. Um, and, 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 and ultimately, I think, yeah, it was about proving that early doors. Um, so I kind of, um, I sort of set, that's kind of how I set out and just, like, that's how, what I'm going to be known for. Like, I obviously knew the sector. I, I wasn't trying to do something totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've recruited into- covenant covenants obviously been finished by then so yeah, it was yeah mainly fun you got more experience by actually working in the industry as well so adds to the story exactly and, and that was exactly it i initially started by saying i want to go work with 
startup consultancies because I just come from one. So that's how I started. And it was yeah. a good story because I was saying, look, I understand the pain points because I've been in one. I've recruited yeah. as a client. Um, and I want to, you know, I was ultimately saying to clients, I want to be a partner. I do not want to be a transactional recruiter. If you want me alongside five other agencies, that's fine. But that's not going to be really what I'm looking for. I want to help your business grow alongside my business. And I was saying, look, what I also really care about is getting it right for the long term. So for me, it was always about understanding the values of the business, understanding what makes it tick. And then ultimately, and getting to spending the time to, to get to know my clients better than most. Yeah, and then, awesome. And then delivering on that by finding the right culture fit, not always the right CV. And I think I've always been tried to be quite lateral in my thinking around fit. And I think sure. there's not, not always been a science to it, but a feeling sometimes. And, um, and I, I guess I tended to get that right in the early days and, and that really helped. How, how was your first year then? How did it go? Uh, first year was pretty good. Um, was it just you? It was oh, just, yeah. yeah, first two years. So, was and in- was that always the plan? Like, what, what did you even think about this being a yeah. lifestyle business or growing the business? It's a really interesting question. If I'm honest, when I started, I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea what I wanted. Do you think that's okay? I, I think so. I yeah. mean, it depends on who you, the sort of person you are. Because for me, if I'm if I'm if I'm truly honest, I I I wanted to. I just want to start a business. Uh, mm. I wanted to see if it could work, but I I purposefully kept under the radar. We had. For two years, we had no website, no data, really? no nothing. Yeah, it was no all, database. All through word of mouth, everything on Excel. Not the best way to do it. Like, if oh I'm, no! I should have set that up earlier. <laughs> but it, was, it was all through. It was all through word of mouth, and part of that, and it's only on reflection. I, I was also worried about it failing, <laughs> so I didn't want really? one of the page not to know that I'd set up on my own. So everything was done under the cloak of darkness. Wow! And but it was it was also. If, if, if I think about it now, I wasn't sure where it was going to go. Yeah. I also had some, some financial goals. So I am not money motivated. Um, I, I never really have been. Um, but what I decided was actually a really good way of kind of giving myself some targets was, um, was thinking about it. I, I wanted to marry my girlfriend. Um, we, we went to school together. So as soon as we, even though we were young, um, I knew it was, it was, it was it once we got together because yeah. all our friends are the same. Our families know each other. You know, there was no going back. And I'm punching, so I needed to get around. <laughs> so, so for me, I, that was the first financial goal, afford a ring. Second one was pay for the wedding uh, with some support from, from our families. Um, third one was have like a dream honeymoon that we'd never normally go for, but like, you know, basically go for it. And then, then finally, it was to get on the property ladder. And basically, over the, the course of those two years, I, I ticked those off. And awesome. it was only at the end of that, I was like, oh shit, I, I've got a business here. There is actually a business. And it was yeah, really yeah. That, it was at that two year mark that is when I actually would say I started to properly build JVM. But yeah, so that so that's kind of how it all began. And like that first first few months were a hustle and challenging. And I almost ran out of money at month four. I had to borrow some money. What were you spending money on if you didn't have a database, didn't have a website? Well, this is it. This is what I say. You don't need much to set up a business. Yeah. You probably need a bit more now than, than you did. But because um, I, I literally phone, uh, I set, I, a mate did a really, really, uh, no offense to my mate, but a pretty crap logo. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then I, I, it was just coffees. I was going coffee shop to coffee shop around the city. Really? Just, just, just trying my luck. And um, I think. I, and, and to be honest with you, my mate, uh, my mate uh, Tim, who who comes back into this story, who became my business partner, he, he worked for me at Michael Page. He went to a startup, and he got me in to do some 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 recruitment for them in house for like 
a couple of months and that nice. was recruiting chefs and waiters and all sorts but it was just trying to keep the cash flow going um but i, I you know it ended up it ended up going really well and that first year that the kind of changing point for me was when i realized if, if i kept working with startups i was going to run out of money and i almost did at that kind of four month mark um, and why is that uh, because it was just too, the fees were relatively low uh, like my first my first fee was 5k i think i made the first three placements came to about 15 grand yeah it was 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 great like you know when you when you're when you're starting off on your own but it was just like that's not going to keep me going <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah i have a lean period um and basically i i how quickly did it take you to make your first placement then about three months oh uh, really okay yeah about two or two and a half about two and a half months yeah yeah, um, yeah. And, and, but then it was kind of three in quick, relatively quick succession. But the, the, the game changer was when I went, I went down to meet a candidate, ex-candidate at uh, one of the big banks. And he, we were just talking about how he was going. And he was, he was using a top exec search firm for his COO, uh, yeah. COO for his business. And we were chatting about it. And I just said, oh, it sounds like you need an ex-management consultant. Um, and he was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I was like, you know, they can face off to the regulator. They can drive change. They can shape strategy. And he was like, oh, do you, do you know some of them? And I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then and basically, I just blagged my way onto this COO search for this big bank. Never done COO recruitment before, but it kind of felt like a good extension. And I'd gone from just having to these small little clients, yeah. all of a sudden a tier one bank. And that that was a 35 grand fee that I, when I filled it. And that was kind of like- Game changer. Breathing room. I could then say I'd work with this bank. And that was, that was when I started that year to then, you know, start reaching out to my old contacts at, BCG, Deloitte, EY, Santander, etc., and and that kind of that's when it started to take a, a bit of momentum. So yeah, uh, long-winded way of coming back to your original question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was about, I think we did about 186k in year one. Yeah, uh, that's not bad, is it? This year, no yeah, website, no database. And I didn't even out. know if it was. Yeah, and I'm not your. You know, I've heard some stories from some some of the guys, mm. and I'm not like a lot of other. I wasn't like love it wasn't like oh my god i want to set the world like i was just you know it was those small financial well not small but those for me i had those yeah, yeah, yeah. Targets. and then i was just enjoying running my own thing uh but i had no life i, I didn't see any of my mates for a year and really it was long long days and you know pretty pretty hard work at times but um but it was good fun. so so just a quick one on that to wrap up sort of year one then knowing what you know now what, what would your advice be to people that yeah have, have really been thinking about starting their own recruitment business i think it's the first year that people are most worried about how it's actually going to go if they're going to end up like you said recruiting chefs when they really they want to do something else or whatever so like yeah what, what would you how what would you say to those people i mean if if you're good at the job like if you have the recruitment skills and most importantly if you have if you're great at building relationships and you look at things from a longer term perspective then i would say like as long as you've got that risk appetite, I would always go for it. Um, I think, you know, I, I think when you when you make that step change and you you really commit to it, you just have to accept that it's going to be hard work. There's going to be there's going to be awful days. And when it's your when it's your baby, those highs are amazing and those lows are like killer. Yeah. And you know this, Hisham. It's yeah. it's it. You take things very personally, particularly in those. Oh areas. yeah, hundred percent. Um. So I think for me, it's about one you know you need to be known for something you've got to have this you've got to be a specialist in something these days i think you've got yeah to, so niche is of, important niche is important i think you've got to be able to you know you've got to have relationships to be, i i'm not um i'm not one of those people that could just set up something from cold like 
and fair play to those that do. But for me, you, I think you've got to have relationships that trust you and will go with you. Um, or, or if not, at least know the space well enough to, to know who to go after. Yeah. And then for me, it's, if I'm honest, it's about working hard, hustling, being creative and adding value. And, and, and in this day and age, building your personal brand mm. uh, and your company's brand pretty quickly. So it's clear why amongst all the noise and all the other competitors out there, why people should work with you. Um, and I still think there is a huge opportunity for values driven, honest, you know, down to earth people that have something about them in this industry. I think there is a huge opportunity still. Yeah. Why did it take the two year mark for you to think that you've got a real business then? Cause I think a lot of people would go, well, hang on a minute, like hundred, I'm just under 200 grand in your first year. Like why was it, why? Yeah. Why did it take that extra year for you to go, you know what, I'm happy with what I'm doing here. Like, I think because I didn't know what I was building initially. Yeah. Um, but but it, the breaking point was I, I wanted to go on honeymoon. <laughs> so I kind of, um, I got to this point, I was like, oh my goodness, I'm going to be closing deals. My wife's going to divorce me before, before I get back because I'm going to have to work through this. Um, and I was getting a bit lonely, if I'm honest. It was uh, it was tough. Um, and, you know, we... Do you tough. not have anyone to speak to? I did, but because... Just, I, like mates or... Because I set up JBM relatively early uh, in my life I knew a lot of people that had done you know I went down to meet James Khan's lot and all that and yeah. I, there were people like that who were incredible entrepreneurs made their millions and there were people that I knew that had failed yeah <laughs> there were very few people within five years of me that I knew I'm sure they were out there yeah, yeah there weren't many people that I could actually go how do I do this well and this is why I absolutely love mentoring and, and yeah. encouraging others to uh, to set up on their own and um, because I felt like I missed that a lot. So I did have, I had great mentors. My uncle was a huge sounding board for me during that time. Awesome. Um, my, my old bosses at Michael Page were, were, were great. But um, but yeah, the, for me, the, the big thing was I just, I, I wanted people around me. I'm a people person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, totally get that. And it, and it all, it was all very fortuitous because um, one of my really, one of my best mates, uh, Shawandi, he was in kind of a, he was, he was a lawyer um, and he okay. he'd taken a career, but he'd kind of become disillusioned with, the legal industry a bit uh, it took some time out. he went snowboarding and he came back to stay with me afterwards and we were talking about you know he, he's a super smart guy um, had all the qualities to be an amazing recruiter and um, and he was like looking for just you know i love love working with clients and stakeholders you know I've, yeah got this entrepreneurial itch and i was like dude i'm going on honeymoon in two weeks like how do you fancy following me around for the next next sort of fortnight and learning the ropes? And then would you be up for kind of taking the reins? And that's basically how JPM made their first hire. It was one of my really? best lawyer, never worked in recruitment and hats off to Shawandi. He, he, he came in, it was, uh, as I said, no web, no, no website, no database, completely unstructured. Um, and, uh, and he had to kind of pick up the reins and he, he did an amazing job. I mean, he, he was with me for a year. He then went in-house because he really needed some like stability and like proper yeah. grounding. And he's gone on to have a super successful career in, in in-house legal recruitment. And um, uh, yeah, so that he was number one hire. And then when I came back from Honeymoon, uh, Tim um, came on board, who was ex-Michael Page and very good friend. Who you were with him as well. Yeah. And he was the, that was the game changing moment because Tim was really good at a lot of the things that I, I'm not, uh, you know, infrastructure stuff project yeah. management people management like he loves all that and he was he came on board with shawandi and it was like right tim's gonna 
put in place our database. Uh, he's going to help with hiring. He's going to yeah. you know, take a load of other stuff, you know, take on, on the finances. Um, and that was kind of, it was that point. And then for the next sort of few years where we went on a steady, but growth growth trajectory. And I think at the time, we the intention was let's scale and exit. Let's try and sell this thing. That was the intention. And it was at the time. Um, but you weren't money motivated, mate. Well, it, 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 it was it was more the ride, like more yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You, you make a good point, um, but and this is this is actually really important because ultimately, I don't think I ever wanted to do that. But for really? whatever reason, I went I went along with it because yeah, and it wasn't anyone else's fault. It was completely mine. But um, mm. I don't think that was ever what I wanted because that just doesn't really get. That's not really in my nature. And um, so um, yeah, so the next okay. were hiring growing so let's let's just frame that up then so yeah year two then obviously tim joined just after year two or whatever and then so obviously then we're coming up to the the next sort of five years so so if we were to break that down the sort of first two and a bit years of tim being involved was that then when yeah ultimately you were getting the things in obviously infrastructure in place looking at growing the business but but just quickly how how important would you say it is for people to um really think about starting a recruitment business with other people like you've done it obviously on your own i'm doing starting a business on my own what yeah, i, I think, think? It's, i think it's got to be on the individual um, yeah yeah i personally there's huge benefit for doing it on your own you make your own mistakes you're doing it on your own time and money I think yeah i always feel a huge responsibility for others and um you know i've always said jbm's a family so once you're in the family like it's you know i take that very seriously and in some ways before you need to make your mistakes on your own time, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, you can act, if your if your intentions are to scale um, and build a, you know, then I think there's huge value from um, from partnering up. You, you look at the the three search guys, which I don't know well, but um, you know, Andy, I, I've, I've met a few times, and their ex page and the, the, what they've been able to achieve is so impressive. And I think probably, you know, there's, there's right. Who's that? Sorry, did you say? Free search. Art free search, yeah. yeah. Part like, of like 11 investments. Oh, yeah. so you know Joe over there? Um, I don't actually know Joe, uh, but um, they're, they're kind of sort of contemporaries of mine. Yeah, sure, sure. But like you see what three guys who can do, it. yeah. You, you can really, uh, you know, escalate and accelerate growth. Mm. So for me personally, I'm really glad I did it the way I did. Mm. But, um, but I can so- totally see how having someone to bounce ideas off and and kind of take on things earlier can can accelerate great accelerate yeah so how 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 did you how did you plan to to grow this business then like so, how, what what was the plan yeah i mean the, the plan was effectively to to kind of launch into new areas so we, we at the time we were doing financial services strategy and change it was mainly consulting clients and banks um we ended up so within a year of that so year three we were five um we were hiring grads sort of someone with one year's recruitment um initially sort of through our networks and then we kind of we got a bigger office we got bullhorn we got q90 we kind of started to make some bigger investments uh, you know and and i think you know we uh, the, the way we were going to grow was we launched an insurance business so we went into a new area that we know hired a, a guy called jimmy who was who's, who's a great recruiter and had a really good networks in that space um, and, and that was kind of how we were going to go we were going to hire in kind of we were going to have sort of three directors and then hire in sort of grads and, and bring them up through the ranks yeah. um, and it was a real it was a real mixed bag you know we had we, we had some a mate the, the vast majority of people we've hired were brilliant like culturally great fits added a lot of value um but the truth is 
not all of them made the money and 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 I think probably we we made we made a few mistakes um but we had in those kind of those growth years we had you know quite a lot of success you know we 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 did our first international placement in 2016 we um you know we set up a, a really I think a really inspiring set of uh, board of advisors and um, you know we hired Alice who's who's still with JBM who's a yeah. fantastic recruiter in 2017 and you know so we had lots of there was lots of good um, and we had a, what I think was a, a unique and a really, really good culture. Um, and, and I guess Tim was doing a really good job of, of hiring and developing the team. Um, I was focusing more on building out the exec search side and business development. But, but yeah, it, it kind of our overheads went up considerably. Um, and, you know, we, we got to a point uh, sort of a couple of years ago when I think we were having to compromise. We were growing. We'd grown to about six, seven um, we were starting to compromise in terms of the types of clients we we're working with, lots more bigger corporates, less control. Um, and frankly, we were still a bit too reliant on, on my billings um, and my networks and not everyone was, it just wasn't quite working. Um, mm. And it was a really challenging period. What, what were the mistakes during that then? Because I think th- this is, this is if I'm like, the, me- the message that I get a lot from particular recruitment business owners is very much... It's just, it's just the most ironic thing, isn't it? The, the the mistakes that you make and the most challenging part is is getting the people right for your own business when you're in the business of getting people for <laughs> other businesses. Do you know what I mean? Okay. So, like, what what are some of the sort of key mistakes you think that people can learn from that you can obviously have the benefit of of hindsight? Yeah, yeah. I mean, when it comes to hiring, I think it still is the most difficult thing for recruiters to get right um, for themselves, uh, which is, as you said, completely ridiculous and ironic. Yeah. But again, I think when it's your business, um, you feel so invested. And I think the mistakes that we made and that I hope people can learn from, you know, we 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 hired on culture fit a lot. Um, and I think we hired some great people that weren't necessarily always right for our business or our sector. Mm. And and that was really hard to take because in, in not, more often than not, we really liked them and we Yeah, were, you really like them, yeah. Um I think I wouldn't change the fact that I the first few hires were friends because in those early days um having that trust that dependable really helps yeah you know really really helped and we had a lot of fun um but there was also a time when that we needed to part ways and that 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 came about um and i think there's something to be said for um having a rigorous interview process you know (laughs) there were times when we we were growing and we were so busy and doing really i guess to the outside world doing really really well like doubling our revenues and you know it and that happened for a few years but actually our costs were going up uh considerably and and i don't think we always had the rigor to our process and so now i get my board of advisors involved with interviewing um we make especially senior candidates present a case study or like a a business plan you know extensive referencing um i think that it's so important to get right um so for me uh, having that process is worth it even though you want to move at pace I think mm. you don't want to rush that. You want to you want to get it right. Um, mm. And yeah, and I think the other thing I'd say is that we we hired a lot of people who were disillusioned with recruitment, a bit like I was. Um, and in some instances, it's just it's the end of the road. Like if, if you really don't like recruitment uh, and you're done with it, I think there are times maybe when we should have realised that sooner. Yeah. Whatever we did wasn't going to change it. Whereas there have been other instances when you've actually really, you've been able to help them feel more valued, you've given them the things they weren't getting in the other organization and then, and, and actually turn it on its head. So this is what I say to a lot of people. And um, yes, we're not 
we're not saving lives here um we're not it's not we're not a rocket scientist but you can change lives yeah from doing what we do and i think it's if you can if you can see it like that and really feel like okay i can help this person get on the property ladder i can give them back time with their family i can i can really have an impact in someone's life it, it can totally change your perspective on how you do the job and that's kind of what we try to focus on mm. now seeing the people that get that see that and really that can come out in the way that they do 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 business what was the best investment you made tools wise do you think if you're increasing overheads and mm. doing all that what would what's had a really good impact on your business um i think oh that's a really good question um I think Cube 19 has been, been a good good investment for us. Um, must have, that must help now, right? Having visibility on... Yeah, but it's not it's not in the way that maybe others would uh, maybe use it. I think, obviously, it gamified recruitment. And, and we did for a while have it up on the screen. Like, yeah. You know, Sky Sports. But our culture and our business is really not KPI-driven at all. Um, and actually, uh, one of the things we tried to create is a culture where people can s- say how they're feeling. And, sure. And it got to a point when it was like, they didn't really actually necessarily want to see that every yeah. day. But what it is good is for driving the right behaviors in terms of people managing themselves. Um, and obviously we can all see what everyone's doing. Like it's there and you can look at your own one and you can use that to drive performance. But from a, an owner's perspective, having that data and insight is really helpful to kind of get a sense of what's what. So that, that for me is a really good tool. Mm, okay, nice. And um, just, to, just to frame this up then before we go into sort of, the last couple of years because i think obviously that moment where you sort of had those realizations where well, actually maybe um obviously when we spoke before this where you had to basically decide what you're talking about that became a bit difficult looking at the team maybe having to obviously um make that a bit more leaner or whatever but like up until that point that you were talking about that led up to in terms of hiring and things like that like where where was you revenue wise as a business because obviously as you said your overheads were going up yeah yeah what how were you there as a business i think in terms of and i'm I'm pretty terrible with numbers but okay you know in terms of like turnover we were like one point well i think in 2016 2017 we did about 1.1 million um uh you know i think our perm revenues were probably it's kind of about 50 we did about i think in 2018 about 500 roughly about 500k perm yeah um and then we had a decent temp book and um, but what we were finding was we were we were just our costs has gone up massively yeah yeah and 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 it was it was a, it was it was really when a couple of quarters i think back end of 2018 we had two clients that basically went under and owed us 40k yeah and we we were like it was getting close to christmas and we, we literally almost run out of money and i this is this business has been totally bootstrapped like there's never been any investment it's just yeah we've done it on our own and that was for me a really, you know, I have a daughter and a wife and a big mortgage and, and that was a really stressful time. And we hustled through it. We sold a retainer. We, you know, we, we did what we had to do to get through. We didn't even go into the overdraft, but that was really stressful. And then, then about six months later, we found ourselves in a similar situation. We, we made like a 65 K loss in one quarter. Wow. And, and it was just like, we aren't, you know, we had a board meeting and we were very lucky to have a guy called Fred Jones on our board. Who's, actually runs uber in the uk and he's he's on the board of uber here and amazing how the hell do you manage that he's a candidate of mine yeah really center yeah and he's a so when you so when you say just out of interest so like because i think i had a lot of conversations where smaller businesses would love or want the opportunity to work with like a non-exec 
right for their business so i guess having these people involved in your board and when you say i have an amazing board i'm assuming is it that type of relationship where ultimately you get in a room and then there's an honest relationship with everyone involved or is there a lot of commercial interest for these people in your business or what's the and how valuable has that been? Yeah, it's one of the best things I've ever done. And it's something that any recruitment owner that I think that doesn't have one, I'd strongly suggest doing it. And I think, no, so there is no commercial interest. And I mean, it's all, it could be on the table, but basically the people that I've chosen are friends. Uh, okay. but they're also brilliant at what they do and they all bring something slightly different. So we have my, uh, one of the people that trained me at Michael Page, who, he used to run Hudson in the UK uh, after Page. It's called Stu Packham. He's one of our board. We've got an ex-candidate of mine who's a COO at HSBC, oh, wow. former partner in a consultancy. So she brings the consulting, banking, big yeah. corporate experience. We've got um, Fred who brings the scale-up experience and he's yeah. an ex-consultant. He's a can- ex-candidate. And then we've got Cressy who's the wild card, but she's a sustainability entrepreneur, business owner, like easily one of the most inspirational people i have ever met and she brings a completely fresh perspective yeah we all it is once a quarter i take them for their payment is we go out for a nice dinner um but we basically spend two hours just chewing the fat and i you know they're very honest with me i'm very honest with them about where our challenges are where i could do with some some insights and they're always at the end of the phone um and it's been incredible and it was basically this point where we actually had a, a, a separate session with Fred, a strategy session, because we were in trouble. And we we did we went we were there for four hours, and he gave so much time. And, and it was me, Tim, and Jimmy, so the management team of the business at the time. And we did loads of analysis, and he he, he looked at it, and he just like, look, guys, you'll look at the CV sent to all these clients and, and the, the revenue. You've got a certain chunk, and they're typically smaller boutique businesses who are paying you properly, who value your time. And there's all these others who are just not. Wow. And I, you know, it, and it became so. It just needed someone to say it. Like, yeah. we need to stop working with corporate business. We just, they're like, your style isn't fit suited to it. They don't appreciate the value you bring. Yeah. And and then the other side of it was looking at our cost base and looking at our our staff and actually realizing, well, they're not. You know, unfortunately, we're going to have to make some cuts here because people are just not billing enough. And so, yeah, we basically it was it was a lot of soul searching. It was a very stressful few days, but as a management team we we decided we restructure tim and jimmy you know did did an amazing thing and both said look you know we we as a management team you know expensive resources um tim the plan had always been in time for him to move in house um and he he said right let's let i think it's now is the right time um jimmy and um, you know we, we thought about do we carry on as a two and and he ultimately thought well this is a good time for me to take some time out and um, so oh, he wow. did. And then we sadly had to let let two of the team go, and it was a really it was really stressful because again, you know, it, JVM is a family, and to the outside world, nothing has changed. We'd still delivered for our clients; we were still yeah. doing really well. But internally and financially, it was it was proving challenging. And and I think I personally didn't realise it, but was incredibly stressed. Yeah. I wasn't maximising my own potential. I was you know not seeing my family. I was working harder than ever, and there were lots of things that kind of came out of it. And I basically had to go to Alison Perry at the time. Look, I know this isn't what you signed up for, but this is kind of what I'm thinking. And I think we this could actually be the making of us. And, and I think, you know, I just sort of told them my new vision for the business. And it was so nice that they turned around and were like, we're totally on board. Let's do this. And yeah, and, yeah, and it, it <clears throat> the next day I, you know, cut ties with all our corporate clients very politely. Um, yeah. 
we got straight to work on rebranding uh, the website. We we kind of rebranded just to focus on high growth businesses and yeah. launched the podcast within a few months. We started doing events. We started being punchier on fees and selling much more retained and exclusive work. And critically, you know, we also claimed our lives back. Um, you know, we cut the costs in half over a course of six months. Um, and we had our, you know, we were, I guess the decision was vindicated quite quickly because we had our record quarter that next quarter between Amazing. three. And so that was, yeah, that was, a, that was really re- like a really good moment. Yeah. So let's definitely segue into, cause I'm sure that that's obviously had a massive impact on, on how you guys are surviving right now, right? With, with what's going on, but just very quickly, cause I think there's so much value in there. And this has come up actually before, um, with a chap called, um, Tony Bates and, they did this exercise where they cut loads of clients and just and just worked out that again the same sort of process that you went through, but just to cut that down then for people just to make that really clear. So recruiters listening or business owners should maybe be doing this on a quarterly basis, looking at the clients ultimately that um, um, what is it are responding correctly and there's an actual relationship there and a sort of. Um, you're working with businesses that play to your strengths as a recruiter and these types of things. So I guess that's just a really valuable exercise to do. Cause as you said, you can, and as you're talking about, you can really get lured into, yeah, we work for HSBC, blah, 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 all these. And that's obviously a good thing to say. And it sounds great, but when you actually break it down, okay, we sent these amount of CVs to HSBC, but sent this amount of CVs to X client. And this is what's happened. And either those, so I guess, yeah, like I guess, would you do you sort of actively look at that now then, and look at the clients you're working with, and are they? Is it a two-way relationship? And yeah, I think that's such a valuable exercise to do because you can get complacent, can't you? With yeah, of course. With, um, like, yeah, big brands and kind of the the prestige of it all. I think one of the one of the things that changed it for me was when obviously I I've been working with this big bank, and, and my third fee ever was that COO uh, yeah or fourth fee. And at the time, I just worked with the hiring manager. It was super slick. Commercials were good, and uh, you know, I, I had a great relationship with HR. But there wasn't. It was a very seamless process. You know, two years on, I was. Work, I remember having to dial into a call uh, with the, the RPO at this bank and ten other agencies on the call. Oh fucking weren't, hell! weren't allowed. A, weren't I had to do that for one of mine. Yeah, clients. It was horrible. And it, I remember it, that. It's like this is not what we're about. Like, yeah, yeah. Not, it's a race to the bottom, and it just isn't going to work. And and yeah. and I just I just don't think you can do this job in the right way if that is how you do it. And yeah. I think so, so that was a real that was a good. Yeah, no, I think there's yeah. So I think people listening, you should actively be doing that. I think that's such a great exercise. Um, so how how was those difficult decisions and that process then helped you in where we are today, which is really challenging times. Um, yeah. Obviously um times where it can change on a weekly basis day basis so how so i guess i'm assuming that has has all of that helped that i'm assuming that you've got some really good tight relationships with businesses that you work with that obviously helps in this time but how how have you been impacted mate what's let's just set the scene how how yeah. did your business look today what's yeah, been going on it's, it's been challenging i mean we've come off the back of our you know uh, really good year yeah that's really helped you know yeah of course really helped we've we've repositioned ourselves you know from a personal standpoint we've been doing some really exciting coo searches for big for scale-up businesses awesome it's been really good fun um and across the board sort of everyone in the business has been doing really really well um so in a way this crisis that we find ourselves in 
we're coming into it having had a really positive year. And Which really, helps. It does help. Um, and I think, I think the culture we've been fostering, uh, you know, is one of, of, of kind of being self-sufficient, being a really close-knit team, supporting each other and, and creating an environment where we all have a say, we're all able to share how we're feeling. And I think it's really important for leaders to show some vulnerability, you know, be honest when you're not having the best time. So you're giving permission to your team to, 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 to sort of share how they're feeling too. And this is a scary time for a lot of us. Mm. And I think um, what, what we've been able to do is, and it, it has impacted our business. Absolutely. How, how, how many, um, so I think I've spoken to so many recruitment businesses and recruiters, obviously. So like how percentage wise in terms of live jobs, that have dropped what what's that look like yeah probably 60 60 70 percent uh yeah yeah huge proportion um mm. the good thing is we, we've had some we've had some roles that we were we were close to filling and that i think we'll still go through which is helpful and we'll hopefully buy the same they're willing to pay hopefully. i spoke to someone the other day where they stopped renegotiate terms on a yeah yeah because i had spoke to a chap the other day who had to who started a retain search um and yeah, they turned around recently and was like, yeah, we're not, we're not paying for that. We need to cut costs on that. It's a stick, this shit situation to be in. Yeah, it is. I think the good thing is we are all in it together. And this is a great time. I spend a lot of time talking to friends who run other businesses. And yeah. it, there is a, a, we are all affected by this. And I think it's a great time to pull together. I think it's also a great time for the industry to show what we're really about and, and mm. to really add value. And be, ultimately, clients will remember you for how you react in this situation. Yeah. And so it's not the time to sell hard. It's it's the time to be there, supportive, be understanding, and um, ultimately deliver for, for the few mandates you have. Deliver. Yeah, make sure you focus and deliver. Yeah, focus exactly. I think what what we've done is you know we were already Alice, one of my team works four days a week, and we we already have one day a week where we work from home. So we've been kind of set up. For, That's good. By working for a while. And it will be interesting to see how this long-term affects, you know, that. It's going to have a huge impact, isn't it? I think we may end up doing more more remote working. Um, we have daily stand-ups uh, right at the beginning of the day, face-to-face interaction, keeping everyone updated. And yeah. what, what I've brought in, I, I'm very conscious, I'm a very positive person. But actually, sometimes I realise that, um, you know, that, that's not always the, the, you shouldn't always be completely positive because not everyone is going to feel that way. Yeah. yeah. So what <laughs> I'm trying to do is bring, at the beginning of each of those sessions, give everyone a chance to say how they're feeling and actually and nice. um, we're, we're doing weekly socials we've done a couple of pub quizzes um you know awesome. a safe work version of uh, never have i ever you know things like that to get mm. to know each other and um, sending daily pictures around just of, of what you're up to and what you're doing just to kind of keep everyone motivated and and, and positive um but ultimately it's about you know if you've done the right things by your business if you've empowered your team if they're committed to your business and if you're honest with them I think we'll, we'll get through this. And I've just been really, really honest with the guys about like, these are the cost cutting things we're going to have to do. Yeah. It's for us, we're in a strong position financially, but you know, we also still have to be careful of our cash flow. Sure. And um, so you have to be honest and I've got them involved in that and they've, they've given their own opinions. You've over communicated, which I think is really key. I, I, think, stuff it's like really, I think it's really important uh, because it, you know, it takes away some of that fear factor, the unknown. And that this has all been hopefully how we run the business anyway. Mm. Uh, you you want them to feel like they they are you know we have a profit share bonus, so I want everyone to feel like they own a part of the business. It's not it's not just employees that I tell them what to do. It's very much a, they buy into the mission, they really believe in it, and and in situations like this, I think that is really should come to the fore. So I think it's a great opportunity for for organisations, um, but it's also you know it's understanding it's you know in terms of what we've done 
or how the priorities have shifted for, for us it's been firstly making sure is everyone okay mentally yeah, yeah. physically one of the team you know had, had a loss not too long ago and we just said just take the week off you know i think you have to be there for people in these different yeah. ones. um make sure they feel like they have a voice and um, i talked about delivering for clients absolutely supporting the clients that are no longer recruiting is there anything else you can do yeah um, and then i think it's a great great opportunity to think creatively i think mm. you know we've we've expedited the launching of a new proposition uh, we're not going to be selling it into clients anytime soon because it's not the right time but it gives us time to work on that um, so innovation i think that that's definitely what i've been that's where my where my mind has gone yeah and marketing you know um, yeah. get, get hopefully some there's budgets to to get you in to help people with their personal branding this is a great time to work on these things and like you know, I think whether it's your personal, your company brand, it's a chance to really show you add value, really show you're different and also ultimately like show what you're about. And I think yeah. here's a great time. And I've been posting much more regularly than I usually would um, just to throw some positivity out there because I think we all need it. What What is what has the coronavirus taught you so far? You think? Oh, I, I, well, I think it's, life is precious. Um, I think I um, what I've realized is you know, this has given me a unique opportunity to be at home more and spend yeah. time with my, I've got a four and a half year old daughter, an incredibly supportive wife that's, that's kind of been through the ups and downs of this journey. All yeah. Day. And, and I'm absolutely loving being here and, and, and spending more time with them. And I think that will, it will change how I approach work going forward. Um, so that's been really important. <laughs> and then the other one is just the importance of resilience and being positive and, mm. This is a time where leaders have to have to step up. Step and, up, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and be there for their team. Have how how has it been being a parent, Jonas? <laughs> uh, how are you managing that? Yeah, I mean, my, my wife runs her own business from, uh, and mainly from home, so okay. She, she she's um she's adapted really well, but she also used to be an English teacher. So oh wow, I'm very lucky. Like <laughs> my daughter is is having lessons here and there, and. You know, I'm trying to help out where I can. We're going for daily walks and, you know, having lunch together and all that sort of stuff. So I, I must admit we're lucky. I know it's not the same for everyone. And I really feel for for others who who, who are in different situations. But, um, yeah, for, for us, it's been okay so far. Thanks. Sure. Well, um, so just a quick one as we sort of come to the end of this. Like what, on a day-to-day, -day, I'm just thinking, because I think what, what I plan on doing over the next couple of um, weeks is like, maybe you've sort of noticed the same but i think there's there's loads of sort of content right now um aimed and focused on sort of communicating to what people should be doing if they've been furloughed um which is obviously makes sense a lot of people a huge amount of people obviously being furloughed and it will be difficult and i think the sort of excellent advice that i've heard and been given quite a few times with the podcast that i've done and stuff is very much remain match fit personal development um these types of things but i think that there hasn't been much out there on sort of if you have been kept on because you're someone that's part of the nucleus of the business and they back you to weather the storm and and, and crack on and power through. Um, like what what are you telling your guys that that obviously are remaining and, and weathering the storm right now with you? What what are you telling them to focus on the day to day, like real practical stuff? Because I think I've heard stories of people being told to fuck off when they're trying to do business development and these types of things. But like what, what sort of um, activities and priorities are you telling yourself or your guys to focus on that hopefully will give you the best possible chance of having the outcomes that you want? I, I think one is, 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 you know, this is a great time to 
hone your craft. Um, yeah. Even back if you're, to basics. Back to basics. Yeah. It's, um, it's a great time to check in with candidates. I think firstly, it's got to come from a, a you know, we we ultimately and i'm sure a lot of people listening really care about the people they work with and yeah this is a great time to check in with everyone you've placed all the people you've worked with see how they're doing first yeah of all. can you help can you assist like and i think that first and foremost is the most important thing and um, i think same for the clients checking in you know they're not necessarily going to be hiring but is there is there another way you can add value or just show some support so first and foremost you've got to put profits out the out the window and just go right just like be there because that you've got to play the long game with this. It's not mm. everyone. The kind of reactive short-term this recruiter is going to, is going to give themselves a bad reputation in this climate if they, they're just desperate. Um, and I think, yeah, I think you, ha- you have to be the conversation I've been having with my clients is like, you have, you have to be empathetic. You have to be a real human if you're doing sales calls and just actively finding people, because if you're not, if you are being tone deaf to what's going on, mm-hmm. um, you're going to rub people up the wrong way and it's going to be remembered as you said and the conversation i've been having is that if you are generally having the intention of hi james how's it going i know obviously it's a difficult period blah 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 is anything i can do to help blah 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 you'd be you'd be surprised how sometimes that can go well actually you know what james um we want to hire this person <laughs> do you know what i mean but i think yeah you're, you're totally right i think right now and this is what i'm having to do myself is like look all the people that are in my pipeline that have been pulled and these types of things, it's, look, it's like, look, James, let's just put aside what we've been talking about. How are you? What's been going on? What difficult decisions have you been able to make? How can I help? Can I help in the short to medium term? Like, and I think being empathetic as being a human, um, when you're calling people being proactive is 100% the right approach. But you'd be surprised how much that would then return in potential sales or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It will. Like, I, I have no doubt it will. And, and it's not to say you can't, send cvs and be creative and stuff. but it, if you've got the relationship with the clients that, that you know and you're doing it in the right way like then then it should be absolutely fine but that's that's ultimately what you can do you know stick to the basics and you know look after yourself and your own mental health yeah. make sure you're you know i think recruitment owners have to be realistic in this climate i'm not i've said to the guy i'm not expecting the same outputs i, I just think mm. it's realistic i think but, that's so important because yeah. there'll be a lot of people that maybe they're not being communicated. They might be, obviously I'm sure they're being communicated to, but that may not be that clear. So if I'm recruiting, listen right now, and I think James, my boss is like, fuck, I've only done like normally, like in the normal month I'd be here, but I'm actually here. What's James thinking? Da, da, da. Like, I think that's so important that hopefully a lot of people listening right now, their managers or leaders don't expect the exact same outputs or even maybe the same outputs, but not the same outcomes. Do you know what I mean? That's so important. Yeah, exactly. And what you want is your, your team to bring the best version of themselves that, that they possibly can. And yeah. sometimes that's not going to be working at 100% because their their mind is on other things. There's a lot of heightened anxiety at the moment. And so, mm. um, but but hopefully, you know, they're, they're getting the right levels of support, which will in turn, you know, show that they're, you know, that, that you know, that their boss believes in them and, and they can actually, you know, do what they can to add as much value to the business as possible. And I think that's in this climate, that's really about what you can do and continue to develop, you know, develop everybody, be there, keep, this is a great time for L and D. And, you know, if you can, you can, even if it doesn't mean you have to go pay for it, you know, just take some time out to upskill your team. And, um, and also from a social perspective, keep, keep the positivity as high as you can and make sure that you're, um, you know, it's not all work, 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 because, you know, there is, there's not as much work out there. So you might as well spend time building the culture and, and getting to know each other better. Yeah. Awesome. Um, well, look, 
before I ask you the the final question, what what are you excited about, mate? What's what have you? What sort of cool things have you got planned or trying to do? Well, well yeah, over I mean, the next couple of weeks. Russ, like, um, you know, we launched a podcast last year, and it's been a great learning experience for me, and um, we've had some some awesome interviews on that. So we're we're spending more time while there's less work around to to do a few more of those. Um, Amazing. Did our first webinar this week and how'd that go? Yeah, really well actually, really well. Um, it was a uh, uh, you know I think learnings from it, um, but um, so far well received and I think we can do more of that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. so so excited, I'm excited to get back to some sort of normality. Uh, yeah, excited for the clients that we have and you know getting back to supporting them. Um, and, and, you know, ultimately getting the team all back together in, in person. Um, but no, this, this year for me is, is exciting because, you know, we're going to push forward with the things that we've launched in the last year. We've got some new exciting propositions we're keen to kick off. And, and ultimately we want to keep getting better and keep driving that kind of high performance culture that we aspire to have. Awesome. So final question, James, you can answer it with a phrase, a sentence, a word, whatever comes to mind. But if you could communicate to every single recruit out there, they'd listen, they'd take on your advice, they'd implement it tomorrow. What what would you say to the people? Oh, it's a tough one. So, yeah. as you can probably tell, I like talking. Um, <laughs> for me, I think the most, I think the most important thing is to find your purpose and find what motivates you. Uh, like ultimately for me, it's, it's providing for my family. That's what gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, that's what makes me hopefully a good leader and and you know ultimately i think if you can find what really inspires you and it might not be recruitment it might be something else but you can find something in what you everything you do that can kind of get you going and get you out of bed in the morning i think that's really important and the other thing is i think having a growth mindset is super important i think you know learning from your mistakes always trying to get better taking on board feedback which if i'm honest historically i wasn't always that good at and i've had to work on um, i think you'll find this industry you have to be resilient you know i think you're going to have loads of knocks but if you can get back up quicker from them and if you you can learn from them then you will be that much more successful and um, you know it used to take me days and weeks to get over the the, the the things that happened and now i kind of yeah maybe i'll go for a little walk or put a put a hip-hop tune on and yeah, yeah. it is but do something and then i'm like okay on to the next go thing. yeah um, so that, that probably those two things are the, the most important thing for me awesome James, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really want to ensure this podcast remains valuable and relevant for all of you. If you have topics or questions you would love me to cover with future guests, then please get in touch with me. Best place to get me is on LinkedIn. Just search Hishimazoos and drop me a message. I would love to hear from you. Finally, if you have two minutes, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave an honest review for the podcast. It will simply mean that I can reach more people with this podcast. You can easily leave a review for the podcast by clicking the link in the episode notes or by going to ratethispodcast.com forward slash rollercoaster. Thank you again for listening.